Welcome to State Scoop's podcast series on IT modernization in government, underwritten this week by UiPath. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we're talking about the importance of leveraging process automation to help state and local governments meet the demands of today's citizens. And we'll look at how robotic process automation is also helping government employees to be more productive in serving the public. We have a distinguished lineup of guests today, including Krishna Edahil, Director of Enterprise Solutions Services, including Cloud and AI for the state of Texas. Krishna has more than two decades in technology startup and leadership roles. He served as a senior technology executive for Accenture's Intelligent Software Engineering Services Group before assuming his current duties for the state of Texas. Krishna, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the program. Thanks. Glad to be here. And also joining us is Jack McCarthy, CIO for the Judiciary Arm of the state of New Jersey. Jack has an extensive background in government administration and technology, including as Chief of Automated Trial Court Services for New Jersey's court system. Jack, thanks for joining us and welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. And also here today is Jim Walker, Federal Chief Technology Officer and Director of Public Sector Marketing at UiPath, a leading provider of enterprise robotic process automation tools. Jim has served in a variety of IT and engineering leadership roles over his career, including at the U.S. Defense Information Systems Agency, NASA, and Deloitte Consulting before joining UiPath two years ago. Jim, thanks for joining us and welcome to the program as well. Great to be here, Wyatt. Well, state and local governments are experiencing unprecedented demands for services these days, especially now during the pandemic. Process automation has become one of the essential tools to help agencies help their employees keep up with those demands. Krishna, let's start with you. How did you get started with robotic process automation within your organization? And what were the catalysts to get the buy-in that's necessary from users and managers? The first thing that we did at state level was introduce or include automation and agility as part of our state strategic goal. So that took care of most of the top level discussion, made it very easy for us to take it to the next level. And we jumped in, actually. We did a lot of proof of concept just so that we could take the technology, robotic process automation, and show it to the agencies and leaders, the real-life use cases for it. And I'm very happy that at that point of time, UAPath stepped in and provided us the community-level training and also provided the trial edition so that we could quickly move the POCs using an initial use case for an agency and get it stood up so that we can show that proof of value pretty quickly. And that quick win was very important in our journey and seeing is believing. So we were able to automate a certain process in a few hours and proof was really in that action. And that's how we were able to create that buy-in. Jack, let me ask you the same question. What was your experience experimenting with RPA in New Jersey? And what was the catalyst for getting buy-in from management and employees? So we've been very fortunate that in New Jersey with our chief justice and administrative director have made an investment in technology and innovation for us. So about a year ago, we bought a few licenses of UiPath and we're looking for projects that it might fit with. And we found one simple one, which was we send out the green cards on certified mail. We get a file back from the post office and we were looking for a way to take those green cards and insert them into the case jacket so a judge on the bench could quickly see if something was served or not. So using the tool, we were able to almost in a few days, write a very simple application that scans a file of these cards, maybe looks through a thousand cards in about three minutes, 
Um, this is something that was taking a human being eight to 10 hours. And the early win was when you saw that you were able to free up that person to do something else in customer service. Um, it was a win-win and we knew we had a good tool in our toolkit to move forward with. Well, win-wins are always good. Let me follow up with that. Where has RPA actually started making the greatest impact in your organization in terms of improving overall productivity? And and how did those gains become more meaningful during the current pandemic? Krishna, maybe we could start with you. Absolutely. You know, this was the best time for every agency to try RPA out. One of the major impact we had was that besides the work compensation team, other agencies also started getting a lot of email requests. And it was much beyond planned capacity, if you look at, they could not handle that many email volume. So what we did was that we were able to quickly stand up a couple of parts and then look at the email and use certain techniques where natural language processing was also ingested. But we are able to quickly direct a quick response to certain emails that needed response, and you know the load to the call center you know team was reduced significantly. And they were able to focus on the most critical items from within the email and also the call, so that they were productive to their best. And other agencies quickly hear about this, and they were also willing to try out, and which we are planning to do in the next few months. So very excited, so that you know a normal human being could not have done this without the help of technology. Appreciate that. Jack, let me ask you the same question about how has RPA made a significant difference with your organization and what stood out to you when your workforce had to begin working remotely? So we've been working remotely now for the last five or six months. It feels like five or six years, but it's only been five months. Back in March, New Jersey was one of the harder hit states with the pandemic early on and and our chief justice elected to close the courthouse. We were still functional, but everybody was working from home. We looked at our organization and I tried to get my IT staff focused on three things. First was make IT more efficient. Where could we look at some savings and create things quicker? Second was keep people working out in the field, our judges, our court staff, probation officers. And then the third was with the buildings all closed, how could we continue to bring in filings and bring in payments and revenue into the state? What I really enjoyed about working with UiPath in our situation was how quickly we were able to get something up and running. We're working on a project with time payments where judge might say you owe $1,000 and allow you to pay $50 a month. Uh, we bring in a lot of revenue through online payments already, but that was something that we were working on getting moved over into the electronic systems. And using UiPath, we were very quickly able to plug it into places that allowed us to to bridge gaps between our, our more modern external-facing systems and some of the back-end systems we have that are still mainframe-based. So I found the problem like to be you know, very fast to market, scalable, and I saw it work across multiple platforms. It was very platform agnostic with what we were able to teach our bots to do and move data from A to B. And uh, it allowed us to, to not have to code some things and get to market very quickly early on, which was our real goal to try to keep the courthouses open as much as we can. We, we didn't have six months to do this. We really only had about five or six days to do it. Well, I appreciate your sharing that example. Uh, Jim Walker, let me bring you in at this point. You work with a lot of state and local governments as well as federal agencies. Where do you see other examples of agencies taking advantage of RPA to streamline their workloads and improve customer service? 
You're absolutely right. A lot of other agencies across the country now, um, down in Georgia, the SNAP program, the food stamp program, was really getting inundated with people applying for food stamps, and they didn't have the staff to take care of people who were already on the program. And in just a matter of a week, week and a half, they built a bot that would automatically renew people who were already on the program, keeping them whole during the pandemic. And that automatic renewal was not just, yes, check the box, but it was a search through the same databases that their staff would normally do and verify, and then only send exceptions to their staff so that they could focus on people who were going into the SNAP program. The second largest county in New York, Suffolk County, uh, they were asking nurses to come off of their shifts and enter data about COVID in the middle of the pandemic and not giving the nurses the opportunity to really go home and rest and get away from it because they needed this data input. They put the three-day effort into it and had a bot do that work, freeing up those nurses to either stay on the floor or to get some much-needed rest. And then probably my favorite of all is the first bot, if you will, that was done in state and local about a year and a half ago in Ohio. When Ohio had a birth rate problem because children would be born and not registered for medical care, and that would sometimes result in a loss of a baby. They put in a UiPath robot in place, and that registers the child before it leaves the hospital, and the mother and child have immediate medical care when they're needed. And so there's a lot of real human parts of this technology. It's not so much the zeros and the ones, but the people that are benefiting from RPA. Let me raise a tougher question. There's a natural fear in the workplace that process automation will lead to reductions in staff. Krishna, how did you address that concern with your organization? So that is the biggest fear that we all have, and that's the biggest change management that we all had to do. So what we did was we knew that every change, you know, when if you look at when computers came and internet came, this was the, the stage that the staff went to where they thought, hey, this technology is going to take my job away. So the first thing we told them was that this is not, you know, something is going to replace you. This is like an extra tool that you can use, like a digital assistant. Consider them as a, a tool to do your work very well. So that didn't end there question or concern. You know, most of the process automation is very quick, but our most time spent was to win them over. And they had to really see it. And one of the strategies that we used was go to them, you know, rather than talking on a phone, you know, at that time, this was pre-COVID, we were able to go to each of the agency and meet them and bring their business, technology, security, and all the teams together. And we told through their CIO or their leadership that this is not going to take your job away. So that had to come from their leadership. And second, we did it together. We took a use case and we wrote the, the steps to automate and we recorded it in front of them and they could see that process happening in front of them and then that fear slowly got away. And this was just with one agency and we planned to use the same strategy with the rest of them. And the outcome was something, you know, you see it pretty quickly. So they were able to see that something that they took eight hours to do was done in about 14 seconds to 15 seconds or if you add this additional step under two minutes and that was saving like 120 to 150,000 dollars per year for that particular small department. And those two combined, we were able to clearly get that fear out of them saying that, look, we are going to save more money for the department and we are not going to cut their job. So, and we had to take it more a personal level. We had to be there all the time and to address the very many questions that they had. And UAPath helped us and they were able to bring in other state agencies to the conference call. Well, thank you for sharing that. Jack, what steps did you take to address the human side of the automation equation in New Jersey? To me, it's just about communication from the original PCs we were putting in in the 80s and 90s. Um, every time you bring in 
some technology everybody's concerned about what it's going to do with their job fortunately for those of us on this call and as krishna said we we all work in government and we have a fixed budget it's not like we can go out and sell additional things to raise revenue for ourselves so when we are able to become more efficient through automation we're able to move the staff resources into other areas that show promise in in new jersey whether it's criminal justice reform or sentencing reform all those things that make for a better system through automation of, of simple rote tasks, we're able to free up resources and put people on those long-term strategic goals that make for a more fair system. Well, finally, gentlemen, in the brief time we have left, what's on your planning horizon over the next 18 months regarding RPA? And what one piece of advice would you offer others about capitalizing on RPA's potential? Krishna, maybe we'll go with you first on that. So the next steps that we are going to take is that we are going to roll out an artificial intelligence RPA center of excellence throughout you know, Texas agencies. We already started and the COVID slowed it down a little bit, but now we will get back and put full gas on it so that you know we can stand that up and do more POCs proof of concepts so that more real life use cases that the agencies need, you know, whether it be a child support case, case management system, where it be a support help desk, real life scenario, and then help them in. And we are also one of the major challenges that we faced, you know, I'm sure Jack also faced the same thing, the procurement vehicle. We need all the state agencies and local to be able to procure the software, whether it be UiPath or other, you know, RPA software out there. And we wanted to make that easy for agencies and the customers. And we have currently a program called the Cooperative Contract, where anybody can apply for that and then get that contract in place. The second thing that we are doing is, you know, most of the time you buy software from one vendor and you need services from another vendor. So this is a major challenge for customers. So what we are going to do is that we finished the RFI request for information and we had about 50 plus vendor community partners apply for that. And then we'll be coming out with an RFO and RFP on that, you know, in the next three months. That's a major step that we will do. And we wanted to make RPA to help Texas to fight the budget cuts that we are going to face and be able to do more for less. One piece of advice, you know, start slow. Take the the best smaller process you have and try it. Unless you try it, you won't know the impact. And that's the piece that I would give. Jump in and then you'll be fine. Well, Jack, what's ahead for you and what one piece of advice would you offer? Um, Our future projects are centered around civil justice reform, sentencing reform, and uh, RPA is going to play a big piece in both of those. And the advice I'd give is, like Krishna said, just get started. Go buy a few licenses. They're inexpensive. Get some staff that are hungry, willing to learn about the technology and move forward. My boss has a great saying about big projects, and it's how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. You got to get those first few bites down before you can keep going. So in our world, you just got to get out there, learn about new innovative technologies and move forward. Great. And finally, Jim, where do you see agencies likely to be with RPA 18 months from now? And what one final piece of advice would you recommend? Why there's a term out right now called hyper automation. Some people call it intelligent automation or even artificial intelligence. And it's this idea that machine learning and natural language processing and other digital things are going to need to be managed and orchestrated and RPA will be that service that orchestrates this other digital labor so that government offices can get away from feeding their computers and back talking to their citizens and giving them great service. 
With respect to advice, I'll go back to your question about people afraid for their jobs. Lifelong learners will benefit from the President's Pledge to American Workers program, where hundreds of companies have pledged to retrain and reskill people for the future workforce. At UiPath, we have an academic alliance for your junior colleges, your community colleges, and your four-year colleges, where students can start learning how to use robotics and other intelligent automation today. And then online, we have the UiPath Academy, where people can go today, register, download the software, and start learning to be necessary employees in the future job place. Well, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there for today. Krishna Edhill, Jack McCarthy, and Jim Walker, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insights on the growing role of process automation in government. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks, Wyatt. Enjoyed being here. And thanks to you, iPath, for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage on IT modernization in government on statescoop.com and our StateScoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash, your host. Thanks for tuning in.